the penultimate episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi is in the books, and I've got my review right now. This review is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app and use promo code Dan Merle to get cash back and stay tuned to the end of the review for more info. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my review for part five of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Next week will be the finale. For those of you that enjoyed ASMR Dan last week when I was reviewing this show, you're in luck because I am in not the same hotel. I'm in a completely different hotel in a completely different city because I'm on the road. I went to go see a screening of Elvis a few hours away from home, and instead of driving back late at night, we decided to stay in a hotel for the night. But that also means that I have to be a little bit quiet so we don't get kicked out of the hotel in the middle of the night. So this is going to be a bit more of a soothing review for this episode, but that's actually kind of appropriate because I thought that this episode was easily the best episode, certainly out of the last two or three that we've gotten for this show. And I'm going to say right now, before we go any further, that this is going to be a spoiler discussion about this episode. So if you have not seen part five of Obi-Wan Kenobi, tune out now, come back when you've seen it, because we have so much to get to. And I think something that this episode shows in a lot of ways is how important it is not to jump to conclusions about things because there were some things that I saw people railing about in the very first episodes of the series uh, with the Grand Inquisitor. How could you kill the Grand Inquisitor? He's in Rebels. It's a huge break in canon, etc., etc. Well, it turns out he's not dead. And then so many people saying like, well, Reva can't know that Anakin Skywalker's Darth Vader. There's no way that he would let that information get out. And then we find out in the show, this episode, that the reason she knows is because she was there the night that Order 66 was executed. It's these little things that I think a lot of people were railing on that honestly was a little bit of confirmation bias for a judgment they'd already had about this show that kind of makes them look silly. And I'm not saying that you can't have issues with this show. I certainly still have some issues, canonical and otherwise, with the show that I'm wondering if they'll be answered in this finale episode. But I think that there are so many things that people jump to conclusions about at the beginning of the series run that make them look a little short-sighted in retrospect. One thing I noticed uh, when I was watching the credits is that Andrew Stanton, who is famous for so many great Pixar movies, Pixar scripts as a writer and director, got a co-writing credit on the teleplay for this episode. It's the first one that he's gotten. He apparently has a co-writing credit on next week's teleplay as well. So we have a little bit of a, a new face in the mix here for these last two episodes. It's the first thing that Andrew Stanton has written uh, as far as getting screenplay credit this decade. And one thing that so many people have been clamoring for are these uh, Clone Wars type flashbacks. And I, I think that part of it was probably some little hints that were dropped by Disney but I think a lot of it was people just kind of having these expectations that come from nothing more than just the heart's desire. And I understand that, but I think that the show is in a difficult position had it not provided these kinds of flashbacks uh, where people would consider it a disappointment uh, from something that was never really promised. But we do get our first real flashbacks in this episode to Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker. It appears to be sometime around episode two, Attack of the Clones. Anakin is in his Padawan learner outfit. And the scene 
scene that we see is a fairly basic scene. It's a lightsaber training scene that we flash back and forward to uh, throughout the episode and it reveals that both Anakin and Obi-Wan figured out potential weaknesses in the other during their time together. Anakin figured out that Obi-Wan can be exploited through his desire for mercy and his ability to want to protect the innocent. The Jedi's goal is to defend life, not take it. <laughs> Mercy doesn't defeat an enemy, Master. And Obi-Wan was attempting to teach Anakin that his insecurities would often make him short-sighted in a misguided attempt to prove himself. You're a great warrior, Anakin. But your need to prove yourself is your undoing. Until you overcome it, a Padawan you will still be. I think they tied this in pretty well with the rest of the story, but one thing that I found kind of odd, and I'm very spotty on this whole de-aging technology stuff, so this isn't really a complaint, it's just more of a, an observation, if you will. Disney has been so proud of this de-aging technology. They've used it in Marvel movies, they've used it in Star Wars movies, uh, and elsewhere. I thought it was very odd that if there was de-aging done in this scene, it certainly wasn't very prominent. I mean, Hayden Christensen did look about his actual age. Uh, Ewan McGregor, I mean, well, first of all, these two actors have been incredibly well-preserved over these past two decades. I mean, props to them, hats off to them for just living a good life because Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor both wouldn't have needed a lot of de-aging uh, either way. But I, I, if there was any done, I didn't really notice it. And I just think that it's kind of funny that um, Disney has kind of used this technology, even sometimes where I don't think it's really needed. And yet here in the scene that takes place 20 years ago in the past, uh, for us, a little bit less for these characters, they decided not to use it or to use it very lightly. Now I've had my fair share of complaints about the prequels over the years but one thing that I think they got pretty solid was the relationship between Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, particularly with Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor. I know that there's a whole new dimension to it when you get into the Clone Wars animated series, etc., but, but, but really talking about live action, and I think that this was continued on here. It really didn't feel like they lost a beat. I did like that you saw some of this darkness inside of Anakin, and you see that maybe this is one of the first times that Obi-Wan was noticing that, and perhaps through the power of memory, uh, saying, oh, maybe I should have recognized a little bit more in my Padawan uh, now that I know what he has become. And this was, in general, a, a somewhat Vader slash Anakin-centric episode. I mean, we had uh, some cool Vader moments. We had this moment where he literally stops this ship from taking off and pulls it back down and rips the hull apart like it's paper. It was a very cool Darth Vader moment. I mean, you can look back and say, like, well, why didn't he use it at this moment during the Star Wars trilogy, etc.? Sure, you can do that. Uh, but I don't want to take away from how cool of a moment that was. I'm kind of a sucker for cool Darth Vader stuff, and that was some pretty cool Darth Vader stuff. We also got confirmation of a fan theory that's been going around. Um, I don't really want to talk about leaks because I hate leaks. I think it takes a lot of the fun away, but I think people that even hadn't read any of the leaks about what was going to happen this season had theorized perhaps that Reva was a youngling who was at the Jedi Temple during Order 66, uh, which we found out that she was. That's how she knew that Anakin Skywalker was Darth Vader. And we also got the turn that she was executing this sort of long-planned revenge against Darth Vader, this idea that I'm going to get in close so that I can kill him for what he did to me and to all of my friends at the Jedi Temple. You're not serving him, are you? You're hunting him. 
And you know, I'm kind of mixed on this. I like the basic concept. I like the idea that this was the pivotal event in Riva's life because of course it would be. This is a very traumatic event. But when you look at it from a writing level, I think I would have preferred it as she encounters something, perhaps she sees something in Obi-Wan or confronts a part of her past where she understands that her service to the Empire um, isn't the way to go and she turns on Darth Vader due to something she encounters in this chain of events that we've been following here on the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. When we talk about the idea that Reva has kind of been planning this for a while, and has been working up the ranks of the Empire in order to get close to Vader, I think the issue with that is that she has committed numerous atrocities against the Jedi, against Force-sensitive people as an Inquisitor, and so I didn't really see that redemption arc in the sense that, you know, she has done bad things, and what's the justification for that? Um, even if the payoff is I'm doing it to get to get close to Vader. I guess I didn't really see that conflict in her character and that really wasn't planted throughout the rest of the series for me. So maybe we're going to get a little more clarity on that next week. But that's something that I kind of have a question about because it's not like she was sort of an accessory uh, to the Empire. She was very, very heavily involved and we saw her brutalizing Jedi. Is that really worth this long-term plan to get to Darth Vader? Or is there more that we don't know yet? What this did do was to set up a confrontation between Reva and Vader, and I think that this went the way that it probably should have. It was a fairly easy victory for Darth Vader, which, given his power, even though he's not the Darth Vader that we see in the original Star Wars trilogy, just the amount of, of actual raw Force ability that he has mixed with the dark side of the Force, uh, as talented as Reva is, I don't think that she would be much of a match for Darth Vader, and she really wasn't. And they also indicate that Vader seems to have known what Reva was up to all along, that she was a youngling. Did you really believe I did not see it, youngling? Some people may say, like, well, if he knew, then why did he keep her around? And as we've noted, uh, Reva was pretty good, it seems like, at her job as an Inquisitor. Vader has often been portrayed as a people user, especially when it comes to the service of the Empire, so maybe he figured, you know what, I know what she's up to, I'm going to keep my eye on her, but as long as she's out there being an Inquisitor, I'm going to let her do my dirty laundry. I guess if we're looking at this episode, the biggest problem that I have, and it circles back to something that we talked about all the way back in episode 3, I think, with that first Vader, Obi-Wan, Kenobi uh, face-off, is the idea of Vader leaving Reva alive at the end of this episode. And not just Darth Vader, but the Grand Inquisitor, who makes his big return so he didn't die. The idea that they would both sort of wound Reva, we see Vader stick the lightsaber through her, but then the fact that they would both just kind of walk away and be like, well, you're going to die in the ditch. I mean, the Grand Inquisitor just survived the exact same injury that Vader gave to Reva, the lightsaber through the stomach, and yet they walk away from Reva, uh, basically in order to justify why she's alive for what I assume is going to be the finale. And uh, Vader is so brutal, and, and I had a hard time uh, coming to terms with the fact that he sort of didn't try to keep Obi-Wan 
from escaping in episode three. But here I have an even harder time justifying why he wouldn't finish Riva off because he has never had any hesitation for killing an Imperial officer just for incompetence. We're not even talking about an Imperial officer who has turned traitor, certainly against him, if not the Empire itself. I just think that it was a little too convenient. I do have to say though, seeing Vader double wielding red lightsabers was pretty awesome. I think some of the fight choreography again was a little off and I actually liked the choreography in the Anakin Obi-Wan flashback fight. Maybe it's because it was more confined. Um, it's a different style of fighting, but this one was another one with the with the Vader Reba fight. Half of it I was really into and half of it I was kind of like, ah, I, I don't know, something's kind of off about this. So when we talk about next week in the finale, we appear to be headed back to Tatooine uh, because Reva, who was conveniently left alive uh, by Darth Vader and the Grand Inquisitor, also found Obi-Wan's communicator, which was conveniently dropped by Haja, uh, played by Kumail Nanjiani, who was conveniently alive, I think, to conveniently drop that communicator in the dirt. And so Reva knows something about children that Darth Vader uh, shouldn't find. Uh, she knows something about Tatooine. She knows that Bail Organa uh, may be headed there. And so it seems like Reva and Tatooine, and then we see young Luke at the end of this episode, are going to have a big part to play in next week's finale. Of course, that leaves me wondering about where Vader is going to play into all of this, because I, I don't think you can put him on Tatooine that close to Luke and potentially Leia without starting to wonder, like, how does he not know that his kids are there, that these are his kids? So is there going to be some Reva stuff on Tatooine that she's taking care of? Is Obi-Wan going to try to lure Vader out? Are they going to put Vader on Tatooine and keep them apart somehow? I really don't know what to expect from this finale next week. And a lot of times I'll have kind of a rough idea, even if it's not what we get, I'll have a, an idea of what I think is going to happen the next week. I honestly don't know what's in store for next week. I think there's part of that that's invigorating, and there's part of that that, you know, is a little bit concerning. And as we head toward this big finale, I have to say, based on this episode and the things that I liked about this episode, and I would say that they outweighed the things I didn't like, even though there were some big questions that I have, um, I'm somewhat more confident in the series as we go into the end, uh, but I, I have to acknowledge that it really could go either way. I could see several storylines that would make me go, wow, this is a really great chapter in the uh, stories of some of these great Star Wars characters. I could see other directions where I might say, oh, I... That was kind of a missed opportunity, so I, I've been reserving judgment uh, for most of this series. I'm going to reserve judgment until next week. There's so much that's yet to be written. I think there were some really interesting starts. I would love for the finale next week to be very heavily centered on Obi-Wan and Anakin, maybe some more flashbacks, more about their relationship, but because we still have Reva in the mix, we have Leia in the mix, it looks like we're putting Luke back in the mix. Ah, I, I'm a little worried about the focus of the episode, but you never know. They could pull something off that I love. I'm just going to have to wait until next week to find out. Before we wrap up, I want to thank the sponsor for today's ASMR review, and that is Upside. Upside is an app for anyone who buys gas, buys groceries, or likes to eat out, and that's, you know, pretty much everybody. And even though we all like to do or need to do those things, more and more when you look at that bottom line, when you look at that total on the receipt, those prices are going up, and the results can be a little bit shocking. 
Well, with every purchase I make using Upside, I get cash back, and I know that this sounds too good to be true, but I don't plug anything on the show that I don't use myself. I've used Upside several times. Mara and I have been on the road so much this last week and a half. When it's time to fill up on gas, I can look on my Upside app. I can see if there are any gas stations nearby that are offering cash back on a gallon of gas, five cents, 10 cents, sometimes up to 15 cents I've seen on the app. And using Upside is so easy. All you have to do is pick the business offering an upside discount, claim the offer on the app, check in when you get there, then pay as usual with a credit or debit card and collect your cash back. And you can get started today by downloading the free upside app and using promo code Dan Merle to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code Dan Merle, D-A-N-M-U-R-R-E-L-L. Hey, that's my name. Thanks to Upside for sponsoring this review and thank you for watching. I will be back tomorrow morning as I review the latest Pixar film, Lightyear. There's also uh, a lot of other stuff coming out theatrically, streaming. I just saw the movie Elvis last night. I think I'm going to do a review for that early next week, so I'm not flooding you with new stuff. So much to get to. Thank you so much for watching. I'll be back here this time next week to talk about the finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi and my thoughts on the series as a whole. Until then, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye.